The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Okay, so good morning. Good morning again. It's lovely to be practicing with you all. So yesterday I introduced this idea of uh, stories and some of the role that they play in our practice and certainly in our tradition and in our lives. And it turns out there are a few different stories about the Buddha's awakening. And one of those stories includes that as the Buddha-to-be was sitting underneath the Bodhi tree, having this commitment that he's not going to move until he becomes awakened, that Mara shows up and bringing his armies with him. So Mara, we might understand as representing or symbolizing that which is obstructing or trying to prevent our movement towards awakening or our progress on the path towards greater freedom and peace. And so Mara, as I said yesterday, and I'd like to emphasize in this tradition, Mara is not a satanic figure. It's the story of Mara versus the Buddha is not a story of good versus evil. Instead, it's a story of complacency versus effort or complacency versus commitment to practice. And we have to be a little bit careful here because when we talk about effort or commitment to practice, there might be a a tendency to think like we have to work really hard and strive in some kind of way. But actually, we, we, there certainly needs to be effort, but too much efforting is, itself can be an obstruction to practice. So part of the art of practice is knowing this right amount. So the story of Mara versus the Buddha is, are we just floating along in our life or are we engaged with it and and with the teachings in our life in such a way that leads to greater freedom, leads to greater peace, leads to greater well-being, leads to awakening. So part of this uh, story is uh, in modern times, Ajahn Punadamo of the Arrow River Forest Hermitage in northern Ontario in Canada, he's from the Ajahn Chah lineage, has written these kind of whimsical uh, stories of Mara, kind of like fleshing out Mara as a character in a way that I think is delightful and is a lot of fun. So in these uh, talks, I'm just, I'm excerpting portions of this and going to bring it forward for us to explore and enhance uh, our practice. So the setting is that this Mara character is in this, you know, fantastical, beautiful uh, palace or castle or something like this. And he's dictating these letters to the leaders of 10 armies. And these 10 armies are in the story said to the ones that assailed the Buddha. And we might even understand that they assail us today. So here's the preamble to the letters. And again, I'm excerpting this. 
So here's Mara. He's, we might even say maybe in modern times, he's emailing, he's sending out a group email to the leaders of these armies. Greetings to all my hardworking minions. As you are well aware, our overall strategy seems to be working as smoothly as usual. The vast multitude of beings who wander in our little playground, the great samsara, are by and large oblivious, oblivious to the true nature of their predicament. But we must continue our unceasing efforts to maintain them in our power. So again, Mara, it's not that uh, he wants people to experience pain and go to hell or anything like that. Mara just wants people to feel complacent and unaware that greater freedom is possible. So just wants to make them feel like, oh, yeah, this is good enough. So then, so that's the preamble to the letter. So I excerpted it. But what I want to talk about today is that letter or email that Mara is sending to the second army. I'm skipping over the first army, which is sense desire. But instead, for this uh, series in the in these mornings, I want to talk about those armies, quote unquote, that we don't talk about as much. And so the second one is boredom. Boredom as an army is a experience that gets in the way of greater freedom. So here's Mara. Here's Mara sending an email. To my second army, the host of boredom, I extend greetings and congratulations. Your role is to act in coordination with sensual desire, the first army. We must keep beings in a state of dissatisfaction with the present reality. What a scam. We keep them craving always something exciting, something new. But the trick is to keep them from paying attention to the present moment, because once they're fully present here and now, then they cannot be bored. But lately, we've managed to foster a social climate that positively discourages calmness and clarity. Their whole modern culture is fast and frenzied, and the last half half century or so has seen many advances in our efforts to fracture the human attention span. Television was a great help, but I think the single greatest advance in the triumph of boredom was the invention of the internet. And I'll add, and social media. We've succeeded so well in this department that being bored is now considered one of the greatest evils of life. But should they stray close to the true escape, which of course lies in the middle way, then we must redouble our efforts. Whisper in their ears, tell them again and again these good old lies. This is really boring. Get out and enjoy life. (laughs) So this is Mara, right? Kind of telling uh, these minions of his army to just make sure that people are not uh, satisfied and to whisper in their ears, this is really boring. Get out and enjoy life. Right? We might have these ideas about our meditation practice that it's somehow getting in the way of our enjoying life. 
or that the experience of meditating is boring. So I'll flesh out just a little bit. What is this experience to be bored? It's We might consider it as a state of aversion, this way in which the input of the senses, whatever senses, uh, seeing or hearing or sensations in the body or even thoughts, they're not providing this desired kick of pleasure that we've grown to really crave, that we've grown to think that this must be what it means to be alive, is to always be stimulated in some kind of way. So we always are like seeking this new and exciting stimuli. Wow, we, these days we carry these little smartphones in, in our pockets that make sure that we're never bored. In fact, we might even think that today's society is built in such a way to ensure that we're never bored, right? We have these entire industries, those that develop apps, and not to mention like the advertising agencies that are been created just to make sure that we're not bored. And instead, we're always seeking this new stimuli. And not only that, we've like become so accustomed to this idea of constantly doing something, quote unquote, whatever that is exactly, doing something. You know, maybe even if it's doom scrolling on our smartphones, like that's better, it seems, than just to sit quietly. So there's a way in which not doing might make us feel a little bit uh, vulnerable or this way that makes us feel guilty because we've become so accustomed to this idea that we should be doing something that somehow our value or the purpose of our existence is to be doing something. But it's not true. It's not true. This is just, I kind of like this story of Mara, right? This creature that's like, oh, yeah, okay, if we make beings uh, really dislike being bored, always seeking some stimuli, then they'll never find greater freedom, which is, of course, what Mara would like. So how can we work with boredom? Or what do we do if we find ourselves thinking like, Shh, this is boring? <laughs> well, it turns out that, of course, mindfulness is this great way to work with this experience of boredom. One, how does boredom really feel? How do you know when you're bored? What is the experience of boredom? Is it this dullness? Well, what does dullness feel like? Not the ideas about it, but what is the experience of it? Because come to find out the way to work with boredom is actually to bring curiosity to the experience, to bring investigation to the experience. Whatever experience we're having, that includes the experience of boredom. So can we just pay a little bit closer attention? Maybe like inhabit the experience, no matter how subtle. Even if we feel like, well, nothing's happening, that's why I'm bored. Can we feel into the subtleness of 
maybe that feeling of nothing's happening. And maybe there's like this smart, like little subtle contraction in the mind. I don't want to be doing this. Because one of the truths of life and phenomena, as all of us know, is that everything is always changing. It's arising and passing away. It's inconstant. It's impermanent. Nothing stays the same. So mindfulness is paying attention to what's happening as it's happening. And just, we haven't often trained ourselves to be accustomed to noticing the small and the subtle changes in our experience because we're so used to like exciting stimuli. So it might take a little bit of patience to just recognize, oh yeah, can we just be with exactly this moment? Just this moment. What is it like? How does it feel in the inside? What is the breath? What are my feet touching? What's the quality of the mind state? And it turns out that with mindfulness practice, as I'm sure many of you know, means that you will never be bored. There's always an opportunity to be with the present moment. And this is such a great way to increase our mindfulness capacity. Is if we ever feel ourselves wanting to go towards that next uh, stimulating thing that we think is going to be inside our smartphones or on the other side of the computer screen. Just bring some awareness to the experience, to the human experience. And just see if we can notice some of the subtle changes that are happening. And then, of course, many of you know in the the stories of uh, the Buddha include that Mara visiting the Buddha even after he was awakened. And what does the Buddha say to him? He says, I see you, Mara. And then Mara disappears. So in the same way, here's boredom. I see you, boredom. And it feels like this. And that's the ending of boredom. So thank you for your attention. And I look forward to exploring some of these other armies of Mara uh, later this week. Thank you very much.